Well, that didn't go the way any of us thought it would. We got what we deserved. Uh, Michigan outplayed us, they outhustled us, they were more physical, um, they outcoached us. Notre Dame embarrassed under the lights at the big house. But why did it happen? I don't know what to say to that. I mean, just a mindset thing, I guess. And what in the world is going on with Ian Book at quarterback? None of us may have the answers, but we're going to deep dive into the questions next. Live from the Redeemer Radio 95.7 studios in the shadows of the Golden Dome, this is Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Uh, I could come up with some fancy way to get into today's show, but I mean, let's just get right into it. Welcome to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, Notre Dame FCU, where Bank does matter. Angel DiCarlo alongside Kevin Downey. Here's what we got going today. 1969 Irish All-American Mike McCoy is our Focus on Faith guest. We'll, of course, preview today's 2.30 game with Virginia Tech. Don't know how many times you're going to hear the words Virginia Tech until about 9.50. <laughs> because we got to spend a lot of time talking about what in the world happened last week against Michigan, where that leaves Notre Dame in the big picture. And I don't know what to make of, of what's going on with Ian Book at quarterback. We will spend all of our second segment on the quarterback situation. But let's start with the big picture. And, Kevin, it's been a week. Have you figured out what happened yet against Michigan last week in the uh, 45-14 uh, dismantling at the big house? That was a rough one. That was really hard to uh, hard to watch, to be honest with you, just because they have been consistent, they have been improving, and really you gotta go back to what 2016 with the with the uh, the kind of debacle um, that we saw. It was just yeah. I guess let's say this: lots of questions and not a lot of answers to what happened last Saturday night. I mean. It was unfathomable. I was up there in the press box. At and least I didn't have to see it in person. <laughs> and we were wondering what was going to be the issue from, you know, you know, we knew about the rain. Yep. Uh, which the and we, noise, the noise, which we talked about, which they weren't told they were bad against Georgia with, but they were able to stay in the game. But then it was just it was as if they had no idea that they were playing a rival on the road, a top 20 team. And I just don't understand how that can happen. I mean, you're a coach. I'm sure there's been situations where your team didn't show up, but you're the coach at St. Joe. I don't think they didn't show up for the Marion game. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the last, the last one of the, you know, the Michigan you were the, games. You're also for... <laughs> coach at Memorial. They didn't. We were ready for, for the, the Elkhart Central High School. Yeah. No, I gotcha. I gotcha. I don't know, and I think what is really interesting, again, Kelly redid himself and basically his whole staff, and they had a big change after the 2016. They brought in kind of new, fresh ideas. You know, they ran the ball. They had a, a really aggressive, sound defense, and then I don't know. And then, then, it, and then what happened? <laughs> and it's coming off a bye. Yeah. They're 11-1 coming off Brian Kelly buys. Every stat – that you would say. That oh, gives you, you had reason. that one stat of the eight, eight in a row. The home team won. That was the one. Well, that that, I that, that was the one. That was the one that Can't worked. Control that. The night the, 
The home team in Notre Dame, Michigan, has won the last, well, now, nine night games played in the series. But still. Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. All right. A uh, couple of news and notes. Tommy Kramer out four to six weeks with an MCL injury. So Trevor Rulin will start in his place on the offensive line. So that's good. I mean, you know, now. It's a little scary. They had pretty poor offensive line play in their yeah, last performance. And then now they got to replace an offensive lineman. Running back Tony Jones Jr., game time decision with an upper body injury. Kelly mentioned ribs. Then he also said he had cartilage, so I'm assuming that's a knee. Well, again, not uh. to be new, too negative, but he was their one bright spot that was emerging at the running back spot, well, of which we knew they didn't have a lot of uh, depth coming back or explosiveness. So, well, yeah, that's scary. And then who knows what the deal is with Jafar Armstrong because we've been saying, well, he's back this week. He's back this week. <laughs> this he's is back. his third time back. He'll be great. Yeah, and he hasn't done anything. So, again... <laughs> Irish were 11-1 coming off a bye under Brian Kelly, laid the egg against Michigan. Brian Kelly asked this week if he saw anything during the bye week that would lead him to think Notre Dame would be compromised in terms of their physicality or lack thereof. Here's what Brian Kelly had to say about that. I've been doing this a long time, and, and you know, you, you try to, to gauge your preparation based upon things that you've done in the past and, and try to um, – you know, uh, look at all of the different things that go into preparing for an opponent. But at the end of the day, you've got to match your preparation with game time, um, uh, I guess, uh, emotional readiness. And, um, you know, we didn't match them. Michigan was all over the field. Uh, they, 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 we got what we deserved. Uh, and Michigan outplayed us, they out-hustled us, they were more physical, um, they out-coached us, and, um, you know, those things, unfortunately, uh, are the, 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 the realities of it. And I don't know that, I don't know that because we were off, <laughs> uh, that, that that caused us not to be physical. Um, I think that, uh, you know, we got away from our identity. And our identity is to be gritty. Our identity is to play smart. Our identity is to be locked in. And we were not. And we got to get back to our identity. Well, I mean, that was all well and good, but it makes you your blood boil if you're a Notre Dame fan still screaming, wondering, well, how did you lose your identity? <laughs> like In a week off. Uh, well, and again, as a coach, they didn't that, have class that last. Week. They didn't have class last week. Uh, yeah. I mean, they had. They all they had to do was worry about Michigan. Yeah, and as a coach, you're, you're going to use that week for self scouting, for self improvement, self evaluation. Uh, that to me, that's the core of defining who you are. And I mean, honestly, uh, Kelly, he's second among the active coaches with 353 games coached the weather you know we use that kind of as a little stumbling block he coached at grand valley state in grand rapids michigan where it is beautiful and snowy half the time especially <laughs> in the playoffs so I, you know i don't know a little, little different though from division two to you know Notre granted Dame. granted but um what's not different is the uh you know the physicality and they did well uh, michigan was dominant both on both sides of the line of scrimmage and it affected every level well they made they made michigan's run first of all i i you can't pin this totally on the defense by any means because the offense was a group was, effort yep. the offense was atrocious okay let's let's make that obvious we will talk a lot about the quarterback yep. uh coming up in the next segment but 
I mean, draw up the middle, 25-yard gain. Like, how did you not see this coming in a driving rainstorm? And maybe you saw it coming, but how do you not stop them up the middle? That's the one thing, that defensive line, uh, the linebackers have been playing better. We've been talking about all that. And nowhere to be found. Michigan looked like they had a a top-ranked, you know, backfield, and they didn't. They didn't have guys yeah. that really had done much all season long. No, the little twenty four is a freshman. I well, and it it just affected everything. So some, as you know, I love our safeties or the Notre Dame safeties, um, and they do great things. But they were missing tackles. But on to your point, the line defensive line got dominated. The linebacker level got eaten up, and then those long runs came down to just the guys in the the backfield. So it was definitely a total team um, effort. And and again, now you have a week to try to refocus and you, you have to learn from that. I don't know. Kelly, you know, is hopefully soul searching, but even more than that, like as a team, now you got to get ready. You have to absorb it and move forward. And with uh, Virginia tech, they're going to be a tough team. So they better figure it out. All right. Brian Kelly's talking points. As you heard, we lost our physicality. We have to get our back, our identity. He said after the game, they had to figure out why. Well, that's what we want to figure out. He hasn't really given us that answer. I'm not sure he really knows. I asked a couple more questions about that on Monday to Brian Kelly. You talked a lot about getting back to your identity. Have you pinpointed why you did not play to your identity? You know, that's that's the great question in, in competitive sports as to why teams sometimes lose that that edge or they don't stick with the script that especially one that's worked so well so um, you know you come back and you hope that lessons are learned that consistency in your approach and, and sticking with things um, is is a great life lesson uh, and that um, hopefully that you can carry on and, and understand how important it is to uh, uh, to to have these traits that that will show success for you is that something as a coaching staff you can pinpoint after a few days or is that a bigger picture thing that you have to go look back to after several weeks or maybe at the end of a season of okay why did this happen against Michigan why did this happen against Miami you know, Miami was a different story we turned the ball over seven times uh, in that game and, and and just got away from us this was a, a, a kind of a different um, a different scenario. Um, no, I, I think I think our players clearly understand we have a lot of veterans on this team that that have already had been in my office and addressed um, the fact that they know exactly what needs to be done. And great part about it is the word that kind of brings everybody together at the end of the day is: Are you accountable or you're not accountable? Are we accountable as coaches and we are, are we accountable as players? And if everybody's accountable, then then you get up and you get going again. You know, you, you know, it's it's how you're going to deal with the adversity that you just were hit with. And uh, I'm very confident our guys are accountable guys. And and uh, I know our staff is and we'll get back to work. And, and finally, human nature is certainly a big part of sports and mm-hmm. outside distractions can be a major factor, especially for students as they're, you know, they're going to class and everything. How do you isolate your guys to make sure that everything that's swirling around doesn't affect them in practice and in the game this week? Oh, they're, 
they're used to it. I mean, they, they know they have to avoid the noise, and it's they, they won't be defined by, by one game. They've got a great opportunity in the month of November. You know, they can be remembered by winning the month of November. If they win the month of November, the noise will change. <laughs> All will be happy. Convinced himself when he said that. If you actually watch him say it, he's like drifting off, ready to walk <laughs> off the podium as he says it. All will be happy. I'll, let me tell you something. They could win the next five games in the month of November, fifty to nothing, and blow out everybody. They You're going to remember. <laughs> I, I look. There's a good percentage of people that are going to remember it. <laughs> I, I, if they win ten games in the regular season. I do feel it's a successful season because yeah. of the three-year stretch from 2017 to 2018, 2019 to win 10 games in each of those seasons. But not all will be happy, okay? Not all will be happy. There's going to be a lot of people not happy with the fact that Notre Dame got their butts kicked by Michigan. They're not going to forget that. They're not going to forget that they're only at 10 wins. And here comes the start, the chatter. Okay, is this the ceiling for Brian Kelly? That's what we've heard all week. And you can't tell me that his players aren't hearing that. Like, oh, yeah, they know how to avoid the noise. Come on. They're hearing it in class every day. They're hearing it in class Walking every day. Around, yeah. What happened, guys? What happened? You can't avoid it. It's human nature. This is, I mean, he said all the right things there. Totally. Well, what's he so, supposed to And accountability say? is great. And that if, you know, his his senior players and his leaders are coming in and saying, hey, coach, that was on us or that was on me. I personally had a bad game. I'm going to get up and go again. Then I think that's a good sign that uh, as a player, it's easy to get knocked down and get back up because you can physically attack the person that knocked you down. As a coach, you got to figure out how to make sure that your whole plan and uh, – Attitude and everybody is together moving forward after getting knocked down like that. Speaking of we'll all be happy, our poll question, I played off of it, of course. Uh, what will make this season a success at this point for you? 10 win regular season, 16%. 10 wins total, 9 wins plus a bowl win, 13%. Can't be successful. Got 24% of the vote. I actually thought it was going to be higher. Um, 11 wins with a major bowl win, got 47% of the vote. Okay, that one makes sense to me because they haven't done that. They got they haven't gotten that major bowl win. So you win out, you get to the Cotton Bowl, you win in the Cotton Bowl. Yeah. If you don't think that's a success, you are crazy as a Notre Dame fan. I know it's national championship or bust, <laughs> but that's still a big hurdle, especially coming off of this. But, but. This was pretty bad. What what is a successful season for you? What which one are you in line with out of those four? I think the ten or eleven wins plus the uh, including a bowl a big bowl win. But again, um, I'm still kind of mystified at their performance. So they had a couple of or all the good games leading up to it, including Georgia. I thought they played very well. Where I thought it was uh, you know real positive, but last night or last week was just not a positive uh, showing at all. In a stunning development, we are way behind schedule because I'm ranting way more than I anticipated once I got the bo blood boiling here. Uh, Fiddler's Hearth in downtown South Bend, great place to grab a drink, eat a 
great dinner and listen to live music, locally owned public house. Fiddler's Hearth has 24 beers on tap, so your options are plentiful. It's also family friendly, and they have a great Sunday brunch from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. They want to reward the loyal listeners of Redeemer Radio. Just mentioned you heard Fiddler's Hearth on Redeemer Radio to your server. You'll get 10% off your bill. That's Fiddler's Hearth on Main Street in downtown South Bend. Probably was a good place to be to have a, a beer or or several last week. Um, he said this was different against Miami. Yeah, they didn't have the turnovers like Miami. But, I mean, sorry. It was it was the same thing. I mean, they laid an egg in both of the games. You can't tell me it's different. They lost 41-8 to to Miami two years ago. The only difference between the two games was that was the beginning of the ascension up mm-hmm. after the 4-8 and eight season. This is in the heart of it. So, I don't want to hear that it was different. I, I think it's the same thing. He's got to spin it to his team yeah. as much as anything, uh, and I get Let's that. Make him believe, yeah. He's got to make the guys believe. But there's got to be, like you, you said, soul searching. Yeah. got be. Can you do soul searching in the middle of the year? Can that be done, or is this this uh, thing he has to evaluate at the end of the year? I, I asked him that, and he kind of dodged it a little bit. But what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think right. On the uh, bus ride home, you better do some soul searching because when you wake up the next day, you better learn from it and you better be refocused and, as you said, have everything moving forward. But then after the season, yeah, revisit. Like, what happened? Well, Louis Gilman said he doesn't remember the bus ride home. <laughs> awesome, <laughs> Which, and he's my man. He's the leader well, of the defense. That's that, that, that. You can understand that. The narrative around the team is that they can't win the big game when it matters. Uh, Alohi asked about that this week. We talk about the narrative, the only narrative – I'm really worried about is my team. Um, so I honestly don't know what, what people are saying. I only care about my guys, how they're feeling, what I can do to be the best teammate of theirs, be the best leader. So as long as I'm doing that, um, you know, things will, things will be all right. And those are the guys that the guys that we play for, are the guys who, you know, we really care about. Um, so week to week, it's not about what the outside noise is. It's about our team. It's about what happens in this in this building. So. And we're going to continue to be on that. All right. And then we'll follow that up with uh, hearing from Robert Hainsey and Alohi Gilman. Is the way Notre Dame lost motivation now moving forward? Robert Hainsey says no. Alohi Gilman says yes. Here's why. I don't think you can use this motivation because then if you do that, you think about everything you did wrong and you go out. You, you go play not to lose. And you, you can't play this game not to lose. This is a competitive game where you have to go out with the mindset, I'm going to win. I'm going to dominate my man across from me every play for the whole game. And if you think about what happened last week, it's, it's, it's not going to help you in that regard. So you go out and practice this week, and you think, what are the things I need to do to get better? You work on these things. And then when you get in the game, you apply those things against their defense, and you focus on you. You focus on your technique, your fundamentals, and you focus on what this defense is going to do and how you're ready to stop it. I've always been an underdog my whole life, um, as you guys may have known my story. So I kind of use it as motivation. That's me. Um, and I'm going to use it as, as a chip on my shoulder, which I always have. And I'm going to continue to do that and do what, I do, do what I can to help this team. All right. Uh, can't argue with either point. I think both made valid points. As long as they play well, that's all that matters. Yeah. And as long as they get up and move forward. You know, right. I think, I, if, yeah. if Gilman uses it as motivation and it makes him play better, and then great. And doesn't negative, and, awesome. And, yeah. As long as they both play well and the rest of the Kick team. Kick off today at 2.30. Yeah. You, you, that That's fine. Um, <laughs> by the way, this notion that uh, Notre Dame should move on from Brian Kelly because they lost to Michigan by 
thirty something points is nuts, in my opinion. That's crazy too. Um, if you wanted to say they should have moved on from him after twenty sixteen, I would not have argued with you. In fact, I think I'm many times on the post game show on WNDU, I probably may have agreed and said it myself um, <laughs> after some of those performances in 2016. But that's when he rebooted. He changed everything, well, and the narrative's the, pretty good. Here's here's my question: Is it time for another reboot? In mm. terms of like, and I don't mean a reboot from scratch, but like, yeah. do you need to now? get a next level in there there's got to be probably something they have to change and one of the things they got to figure out is why their quarterback in their second year does not play well because one game but it was real bad one game (laughs) wait he's been good the rest of the season he's been pretty good yeah oh wow we we got something to talk about then that's an interesting point by you (laughs) and we're gonna save that for after the commercial break when we return we're talking about ian book and the notre dame quarterback situation somehow kevin's gonna spin this that ian book's been playing well this year we'll hear that wild take coming up right after this does debt have you down are you worried about your credit cards your mortgage or keeping your car notre dame federal credit union can help Our people are trained to be financial physicians. They can give you a checkup, help you to heal, and then stay healthy. Don't be embarrassed, it's why we exist. When your body is sick, you go to see a doctor. When your finances are sick, you go to see the friendly folks at Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? You know, I don't know that there's any uh, appetite there isn't for mine. Uh, but there is no quarterback controversy. There isn't uh, 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 any kind of conversation about making a change. Uh, Ian Book is our starter, will be our starter, uh, and Phil will continue to uh, be ready if he's called upon. Emphatic statement from Brian Kelly that Ian Book is the unquestioned starter at Notre Dame. So many in the Notre Dame nation calling for Phil Dracovic to get a shot, but Brian Kelly shooting that down this week. Welcome back to Notre Dame fellow Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Angel DiCarlo, Kevin Downey. Um, I've been all fired up this morning. This this one is going to be an interesting segment as we dive into this quarterback situation. And, and Kevin, you said before break that Ian Book had one bad game as if he has not been bad most of the season. So go yeah. ahead and explain <laughs> away on that one. Go ahead. Well, and I think it's past the stats. I think that he um, has been consistent and he has done a good job this year. Remember early in the year, it, they had the core of the offensive line and him and one wide receiver, which they always put into the boundary. I mean, it's another yes. discussion for another time. But basically all those new those guys around that he had to get the ball to were new. The running situation, running back situation, lack of explosiveness, uh, lots of people coming in and out. I think that Ian Book is a very good quarterback, maybe one of the best quarterbacks I've seen within the Notre Dame system, um, especially uh, under Kelly. But for sure, I think that he's the guy. I think I told you off air that um, when Djokovic went in, and I know he's a great recruit. I was in a dark room by myself with my kids watching that game, and I knew that that's when the game was out of hand, not just not just in the scoreboard, but basically I sent the kids out of the room and had to watch it alone. <laughs> that was right. my breaking point. I mean, yeah, but he just hasn't been. All right, a year ago, 
Ian Book was the toast of the town. Yep. Came in in week four, was completing 70% of his passes. The previous year had some heroics at the bowl game. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Hey, look, I'm an and Ian everybody Book. likes the number two quarterback on I at like, Notre Dame. I, I like Ian Book a lot, actually. Yep. And on this show, I was saying he should have been the starter. Yep. In my opinion, from the beginning last year. So let's not mix anything up there. I thought he should have been. He led them to an undefeated regular season that this year. But this year, he just... I mean, he was 8-25 of last week against Michigan. He wasn't good. And he hasn't been very good, in my opinion, all year outside of, you know, not turning the ball over. He only has two interceptions. He has 15 touchdowns. But 10 of those touchdown passes against New Mexico and Bowling Green. He hasn't been exactly lighting it up. Brian Kelly asked this week about Ian Book regressing in his second season. Here's what Brian Kelly had to say. Brian, there's a, a criticism that floats out there when quarterbacks struggle here that they haven't gotten better in year two. Do you think that's unfair? you think it's a fair observation? And where do you feel like Ian Book is in that context? Well, I think any time the quarterback doesn't play you know, up to a standard um, that, that he has and others have for him, he's going to be in the spotlight. It comes with the position. Um, you know, I don't know that anybody really played well um, or coached well um, on Saturday, including Ian. So is it fair? Sure, I think it's fair criticism of everybody, including me. So, yeah, I, I think we all have to coach better. I think we all have to play better. All right, so Brian Kelly conceding that it's fair to have the criticism about the regression of quarterbacks, Everett Golson, Sean Kaiser. Sean Kaiser, remember, he was the quarterback when during the four and eight season. He wasn't he wasn't very good. Uh, Brandon Wimbush, obviously, yep. um, and that, and now Ian Book. They have all played worse in their second season. Um, what Brian Kelly did not address is okay. Why? Why he didn't he 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 acknowledged that the criticism is fair. Mm-hmm. I can see your point, but then just moved on and didn't actually answer why. Um, now, and with those other players, to be fair, that was during or before, well, I guess maybe not with Wimbush, but the Kelly reboot, I think he handles himself better in the media, Kelly does, and yeah. especially dealing with quarterbacks in game situations. Uh, like, that used to be my biggest criticism of him, again, just as a high school football coach, just like, why does he yell at those guys on national TV? That's your quarterback. Well, like, you don't want to break their confidence, and well, I don't every know. day you, or, you, you feel know, like Ian Book's got confidence right now? Maybe he needs to be yelled at. I don't know. Maybe maybe we've gone too much the other way. I heard a couple of people saying that. I need the old Brian Kelly back. Get oh. purple on the sideline. Yell at some people, uh, which is hilarious that we're now at the point that people That's are funny. saying that. Let me, let me ask you a question. Do yeah. you agree? You, you said Ian Book's still a very good quarterback. Yep. Do you at least agree he was better last year than he is this year? Or no? Uh, yeah, because he had a lot better players around him that they could get the ball to. Huge part of it. You're He's ins- a distributor. You're insufferable this morning. <laughs> All right, so the question now is, should they give uh, Phil Dracovic a shot? He hasn't really seen much time. 9 of 13, 69%. But again, as Ke- Kevin mentioned, he threw his kids out of the room to watch that part because it was pretty much over. Should they give Phil Dracovic an opportunity, maybe give him a package, maybe think some think they should start him because they claim this is a lost season now. Uh, Brian Kelly does not agree with you if you think of any of those aspects. Here's what Brian Kelly had to say about Phil Dracovic and the fact that he's just not ready yet. Well, he hasn't played a lot of real football. You know, it's been a lot of practice football. You know, 
it's an incredible game, right? You know, you, you practice, 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 you know, and then you play only 12 games. He's practiced a lot and hasn't played a lot in college. And so he's really missing that college. It's faster, you know, and, and so that's really all he's missing right now. I mean, in practice, he looks pretty good. But, you know, it's, it's getting to that point where he actually plays in some of the games and making those quick decisions, you know, changing protections, uh, you know, making some quick decisions. Those are the things that, you know, he's going to have to continue to work on. You've never been shy in the past about when it's time to make a change or you feel it is at the quarterback position. You, you did that in the Music City Bowl, obviously, with a month to prepare, and that was different. And you had Ian in for some short yardage situations last year. Have you contemplated anything about maybe having, getting, fill that type of time, perhaps? To, to we, 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 we consider if, if we, if, if I felt like playing Phil for five plays, four plays, would make us a better football team, I would do it in a second. I'm only interested in how I can help our football team win. This is not about an ego or we got to play one guy or two guys. I want to just win football games by playing the best players that will help us win. And if I thought for a second that Phil Jakovic would be on the field to help us winning in some fashion, he would be on the field. And that's as honest as I can be with you. I, I, I agree that if Brian Kelly felt Jakovic could help them win, he'd play him. He, I mean, there's no how, problem playing multiple quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, he's shown that if there's <laughs> anything <laughs> we know, it's that the hook on the quarterback is not something Brian Kelly's afraid of. I mean, yeah. Dane Chris got pulled at halftime of the first game of the season yep. in 2011. I mean, he doesn't have any. I mean, Brandon Wimbush was three and zero last year, and he. And he made a quarterback switch. That took a lot of guts to make that that call True. last year. So I don't think he has any question. Here's the problem. Phil Jakovic is a five-star recruit, was considered one of the very best top three quarterbacks in the country coming out of college yeah. or coming out of high school. Yeah. How is he not ready? Like, shouldn't he be no, you don't think so? I, I don't. I mean, you know, his spring game was pretty rough. No, I understand and, that. You know, he but said this it's all going... practice, but it's a fine line, Ange, because as a coach, you're one play away from that guy <laughs> having to go in no matter what, right. whether you want book or. But, but my point you know. is, this is a development issue. They're, they haven't developed these guys, I, I feel like. And I don't know who that's on. I don't know. I don't I don't know if it's on Tommy Reese, the quarterback coach, because, again, it's been an issue for 10 years. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if it's on Chip Long. It's something in Brian Kelly's system where the quarterback, I think, understands the playbook maybe. Well, maybe not. Maybe the playbook's too complicated because they do better in the first year. I don't know what it is, but they aren't playing better in, in year two. And that's that's a problem. That's a problem. Now, you keep on saying, well, it's the guys around. Yeah. And uh, Ian is still the guy, and you got to fix this. Tony Jones may not play today. Tommy Kramer is is now out. Offensive line has new pieces. Here's what Brian Kelly and Cole Komet say. Um, that this just isn't on just Ian Book. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's all the things that you saw. I mean, we, we have to, you know, continue to work on um, going through your progressions, um, you know, hanging in there. You know, we had some 
key drops. Uh, you know, we need all 11 guys to play better, quite frankly. This isn't – we didn't lose that game because of being Book. Uh, he's got to play better, no doubt. Um, but the things that we've been talking about for the last few weeks, he's got to continue to work on. Even to play well, like, we got to play well. So I think a lot of people look at Ian and look at Ian and go, you know, why isn't he playing well? But, like, you got to look at the, the 10 guys surrounding them. And so, like, I'm part of that. And, you know, we all 10 of us surrounding Ian, like, we looked at ourselves and we got to do better for him. And, you know, that's what we're going to do this week. All right, that was Cole Komet and Brian Kelly before him uh, giving uh, – Kevin is talking points that um, <laughs> that that it's the, it's, guy, it's the guys around him more so yeah. than the guy. Yeah. I, I, look, I don't disagree with that. All right. Uh, you know, in total, I I don't think Phil Dracovic should play. I I think it should be in book because I believe that if Dracovic was doing anything in practice worthy of playing, he'd play. That I I full heartedly believe that, but. I mean, I just don't – I just think this is partially on Book for sure. Well, I guess the one thing for Book that I have noticed this year is that he usually – at some point during the game, he starts out kind of clunky, and then he'll get hit, and something will wake him up one play, and then from there he kind of takes off. So if there's anything on him, let's let's make that the focus like, hey, get a play in early. <laughs> I don't care if you have to run him intentionally just for him to get a little dirty, a little fired up, and then let's go. What was Do your that, thing. What was that play against Michigan? That didn't happen. Okay. So on him, he needs to make that happen. Uh, he our, got down, knocked down a couple times. He could have gotten up. Our title sponsor for Irish Sports Saturdays is Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Did you know that Notre Dame FCU provides financial assistance to help our members at participating Catholic schools? To find out the details, ask your local Catholic school principal, Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. You raise share our values. Why not share in our benefits? All right. Um, as you can tell, Brian Kelly got a lot of questions about Ian Book. Can Ian Book bounce back? Can the Irish bounce back? Coach Kelly, uh, one more time about the quarterback situation. We believe that Ian Book is a, a young man that uh, is is going to work on the things necessary to be, you know, the kind of quarterback we want him to be. And he's won a lot of games, you know. Um, you know, we didn't win last week. I get it. And we're all disappointed. Um, but we're going to move on, and we're going to learn from it. We're going to be humbled because of it, and and we're going to get back to being who we are. And um, it happens. I think Ohio State lost 49-20 to 20 last year to Purdue, and uh, they did okay after that. I mean, I'm sure it was a, um, a bad week in Columbus that week, just like it's going to be a bad week here in South Bend. I get that. But... Um, we're going to keep coaching. This game teaches you great lessons. That's why I get it. Winning is important. And our nation wants to win. And I want to win too. But you can learn great lessons from this game too. And our guys learned some lessons. Our coaches learned from it. I've learned from it. And we're going to carry those things moving forward. What did they learn? No, I'm asking you. <laughs> what did they learn? It doesn't... They say they uh, learn things. I want to know what they learned. I mean, that's an internal thing. Ian Book, honestly, I, I believe in him. I think okay. that he's going to have to get back up and show you uh, and everyone. All right. And I, in again, fairness. I, again, I agree with that. But let me ask you a question. At what point, wh what would have to happen for you to give Phil Dracovic a shot? Like, uh, 
What, what, what happens today? If they lose to— Okay, let's go full game. Okay, go ahead. Same performance against Michigan where statistically it was just brutal. There were turnovers. Nothing happened. Um, that would be the extreme circumstance where I think that a quarterback change at this point with this team would help. He throws two first-half interceptions today? I'd say you got to give him the four quarters. Wow. I know. But I believe in him. I think he's good. I, I I'm not saying I don't think he's good, but at some point you, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm starting to believe this. Give him four or five plays in the third series and just see what happens. Especially if they don't get anything going. I I don't know. Yeah. I, I I'm just. We agree to disagree on that one, Ange. Again, I think Ian Book's the better quarterback right now. I, Phil Dracovic throws this weird three quarters <laughs> sideways throw that. It was successful. Oh, next you're gonna make fun of his height. He is a little rangy, you know. He's a skinny I, guy. I mean, I mean, he's he's a pretty good athlete. I'll give him that. He's but. a five star guy. He'll be good as he grows into it. All right. Be sure to join us uh, Friday night for the Tyrac game of the week as Marion goes for a fifth straight sectional championship against Jimtown. The Knights taking down West Noble last night here on Redeemer Radio. Tailgate talk gets you started at six with the sectional championship game between Marion and Jimtown to follow Friday night here on Redeemer Radio. 95-7. Up next, a 71-year-old Notre Dame All-American who has a pretty good career in the NFL. Well, you wouldn't expect him to be busier now than his playing days, but that is the case for Mike McCoy, and his faith is the reason why. He just can't stop giving back. Focus on faith with the Irish great Mike McCoy when we return on Notre Dame FCU's Irish Sports Saturdays on Redeemer Radio 95-7. We know you like football, so do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day, free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Touchdown! If you like all things Notre Dame, be sure to stay tuned for Church Life today. Coming up right after us, Lenny DiLorenzo of the McGrath Institute for Church Life is your host. That's next year on Redeemer Radio with replays tonight at 6 and Sunday at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. All right, Mike McCoy was an All-American bat. Back in 1969 at defensive line under Eric Parsegian at Notre Dame, he then went on to a great career in the NFL. It was the gift, he says, God gave him. But his purpose in life, Mike says, it's been what he does now, and that's to talk to Catholic school kids about their faith. Here's Focus on Faith with Mike McCoy. All right, Mike, uh, thanks for taking the time to to join us. I know you're a pretty busy guy. You might be more busy now than you were in your, your playing days, uh, going around the country and doing all these uh, uh, speeches with Catholic schools. Uh, just kind of tell us a little bit of wh- what you do and, and why you do it and why you do it so much. Well, what I do is I have Mike McCoy Ministries, and what I do is to reach students in Catholic schools with messages of faith, hope, and encouragement. And I do it through an assembly setting, uh, grades three through five, which is called the value and worth of a person through God's eyes. Because if I can get young people to understand their identity, who they are in Christ, rather than who they are in this culture, uh, we may have a chance with them, especially what's going on in the last 10 years in our culture. And then the sixth through 12th grade is the three Ds, decisions determine our destiny. And I incorporate that whole concept of our, our identity in Christ, but I have, a, I have more that I do with them and talk about the landmines in the field of life. And 
how their faith can help them through those landmines. And um, and I enjoy doing it, and I've been doing it since – I hate to reveal my age, but I've been doing it since I got out of football. I uh, got out of football a long time ago in 1980, and then 1986 I went full-time in the ministry doing uh, prisons, public schools, and Catholic schools. And then the last uh, nine years, just strictly Catholic schools with Mike McCoy Ministries, because you can't go into public schools anymore and mention God. And uh, and I do a little prison work with the ministry I was involved with before, but 95%, 98% of what I do today, the last nine days, last nine years is, is in, in Catholic schools. Yeah, I, in the last nine years, you've done over, what, 800 presentations to date and, you know, about 100 a year. It, it's crazy. What? What keeps you going each week to want to do this, Mike? Well, I think it's a couple of things. Number one, I believe it's my calling. It's my purpose in life. And we're all search for a purpose, and God gives us each individual gifts. And um, my gift was, you know, sports, Notre Dame, the NFL, those platforms that, you know, people look uh, up to, so to speak, and uh, grabs their attention. So through that platform of Notre Dame and the NFL, I'm able to go in there and do something if I, if I was just a businessman, I couldn't do. And, uh, you know, even if I was a priest, because I studied for the priesthood for one year, probably couldn't do because I had that collar on. And somehow, you know, unfortunately, young know, people say, well, oh, that's just a priest and he's supposed to say that. And so I'm not their parents. I'm not their teachers. I'm not the uh, people in charge of the school. I'm a former NFL player, former Notre Dame guy. And probably say about the same things they're they're hearing all the time but for some reason they uh, listen and uh, that's one of the reasons the other reason is when i get the feedback you know you saw my statistical sheets that i sent you you know you hear all these numbers but uh when i get these cards back uh, i read every one of them uh, that i do from 6 through 12 and and i do keep statistical records just because i'm accountable to my board and my donors uh, over 338 young people uh, in the last eight years, to put that on our comic cards at the end, because we do comic cards, and they they put their name and their school on it, that they've been contemplating suicide. So uh, that, to me, you know, is big. But also the fact that they understand what John Paul II said after I leave, after I left, who we just celebrated his sainthood, I think, three days ago, maybe four days ago, and he was a pope in the church, and he says, "Do not fear. Open your heart to Christ. Conversion is a personal decision." accepting the saving sovereignty of Christ and becoming his follower, his disciple. So if these kids were like me growing up, you know, I was just going to church because that's what I was supposed to do and what I was supposed to believe, and I had no problem with that. Uh, but after a while, it just didn't work in my life because I was trying to please God and I fell short. And I finally understood I couldn't buy her or deserve God's love. And then uh, through a friend of mine in Green Bay, Carol Dale, who invited me to come to the chapel program in the NFL, I heard that simple message that I heard growing up, but it was from former NFL players, and it was from a business people, that uh, they needed to change their life, and they couldn't do it. It had to be a heart transplant, and that's what the power of God can do in our lives, and have that relationship. And so uh, through that chapel program, I opened up my heart to Christ, and my faith became alive. I never really left the church. You know, I, I said, you know, I'm not leaving. I mean, uh, the church has helped me a lot in my background and where I came from, and type of family I grew up in um, was very comforting for me growing up in that atmosphere. But got to that point, I said, okay, what's what's missing in my life? And that was it. I never made that free will choice. When you make that free will choice, hey, I want this instead of I had to, it was a big difference. And so we go to church on Sunday as Catholics, and I don't know what you do between Monday and Saturday, but I would venture to say most people just go ahead and live their lives, and they do some good works and don't get into God's Word on their own. And I'm starting to see a trend, I would say, the last 15, 20 years. A lot of Bible studies in, in Catholic churches, which I think is great. 
and uh, get these kids to uh, get these students to read the book of Proverbs, which is 31 chapters, and I encourage them to join the club, the book of Proverbs club. I, I, t- I tell the kids to do that night before they go to bed. Turn off all the noise we have in our culture today. And it's getting very, 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 very noisy and confusing for these young people. And I said, just take a deep breath. Be silent. God says, be still and know that I'm God. Oh, turn on that light. Get a Roman Catholic Bible or got plenty of apps out there and just start reading chapter one. If you've never done it before, try it. See what happens. And so I'm encouraging them to do that. 1969 Notre Dame Consensus All-American Mike McCoy joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. This is our Focus on Faith interview. Uh, Mike, you mentioned you're not that young anymore. So uh, is there any trouble connecting with the the students? Because obviously they have no idea probably when you're walking in the door who you are, that you are a former All-American, or does the fact that you're still six foot five help you? <laughs> Well, I think all those factors help me. I'm a six four now. I did shrink an inch. Okay, fair enough. And uh, and uh, in fairly good shape because I try to work out a lot. And because uh, I've had 15 surgeries uh, on my joints over the, since age 45, so I try to uh, work out a lot and try to look the part, you know. And that was always a concern of mine. You know, how old am I going to be before these kids turn me off? And actually, the older I get, the more they respond to me. Hmm. Because now I'm a grandfather, I show my grandkids, and uh, there's a bond there somehow. You know, I show a little highlight film when I was playing and when I was younger, when I was five foot five, 175 pounds in fifth grade, and I was picked on, and and how my high school cathedral prep helped me, and my high school football coach helped me. You know, my dad made some bad decisions in life, so we ended up living with my grandparents, and uh, how those struggles and those trials and tribulations, he ended up uh, going to Notre Dame and being under Eric Parsegan which was a great experience for me and then playing 11 years in the NFL. And I, I never planned that. You know, I told him, I said, you see this little slide, this kid playing the NFL. I never envisioned I would play in the NFL, but you know, I did for 11 years. So uh, I think all those things help. And, and then I, you know, I, a lot of people ask me, so Mike, when are you going to slow down? And I said, you know, when God, I guess, tells me to either that I'm not being effective anymore, I just physically can't do it. Uh, you mentioned playing for the legendary era Parsegan, uh, what did you what did you learn from Era? Um, and maybe did you did you realize you learned a lot more after the fact than than during? Oh, you always do <laughs> when you're going through those tough times and practice and and uh, summer 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 practice and going through uh, football season and uh, you know having have been very successful there. You kind of look back at that, and it took a while to say you know this guy was a special guy. He was a special man, not only as a coach. But as a person, his character, his ethics, and uh, and what he went through in his family with one of his daughters who had MS, and she passed away, and then his three grandkids who had Neiman's Pick disease, and three of them didn't make it, how that family, through that trial and hurt and pain, was able to take that and start the Airport Segan Medical Foundation, and now they went from no research to almost curing this disease. They've isolated the gene, so how he jumped right into that, and uh, and then, you know, one of the things that I look back at, and I look back at the coaches, you know, we, we had tough coaches, there's no doubt about that, but I don't remember ever being physically, not physically, but mentally and emotionally uh, put down as a person. And I know, I don't remember very many profanity. And I heard Eric didn't want that, and he definitely didn't want the F-bomb that we hear a lot today, which is disgusting. And uh, so I never heard that on that practice field. You know, we heard a few things, but nowhere near with some of these coaches with coming out of their mouth today. And I think that's very, 
very demeaning and very disgusting. So I look back at that. I said, wow, that was pretty special. And someone asked me if I ever wanted to get in coaching. I thought about it for a while. And then I didn't do it because I saw what what it was really like behind the scenes. These guys give up their lives, yeah. which is okay for some of them. But for me, it, it just didn't fit. And, um, and what happens in their families. Mike McCoy, former Notre Dame All-American in 1969, joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays on Focus on Faith. And Mike, All-American in 69, but it sounds like your best game ever was probably 68 when uh, you kind of held this guy named O.J. Simpson to a pretty uh, limited game. <laughs> well, yeah, that was pretty special, you know, because they already had a couple of sayings. He said, there's no circumstance we cannot overcome, and we have no breaking point. And so going out there to play SC and uh, to play OJ, who just won the who just won the Heisman Trophy, our coaches came up with a 4-4 defense, basically, and it was mirror. Because if you watched OJ in the films, he was a great cutback blocker, so to speak, and no pun intended, but he, you know, he went back against the flow. And uh, once he got past the line of scrimmage, you know, he was gone. So we, 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 we cut off those alleys and we held them to, I don't know, 58 yards and, and 32 carries. And he was pretty, pretty upset with that. Then my senior year, you know, we're playing uh, Southern Cal at Notre Dame and I blocked a punt and that set up a touchdown and tied the game 14-14. And we're marching down, kick a field goal. And for some reason, those referees called a clip on, on one of our tight ends. We're about the 30-yard line with a chip shot shot us back to the 48 or something, whatever it was, and Scotty Hempel hit that ball, and it was going to hit the crossbar, bounced back, and we tied him. So that was that was, that was kind of an interesting game, too, because we went in to play Texas. I think we were 8-9-1, uh, and one, or 8-1-1, eight, eight, I'm sorry, 8-1-1, one and one, or maybe 9-1-1, one and, one, and they were undefeated, and uh, and we, we all lost to Purdue, which I don't even want to talk about. Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. Um that's that's my only negative experience at campus, and we lost to Purdue three years in a row. Oh gosh, it was terrible. I still have nightmares about it today, but uh, no, I don't really. So we went into that Texas game and very well prepared and sort of beat them. You know, they beat us. Uh, what was it, 21-17 with a last-second touchdown, and uh, that was pretty pretty disheartening. But the next year, they went back out there with Joe Theismann, had a new year underneath his belt, and they just creamed them. Well, Mike, thank you very much for taking the time to join us, and we, we can't thank you enough for all you're doing to, to spread the word uh, to all the Catholic school kids throughout the country. Well, thank you. Take care. God bless. That is Mike McCoy, Notre Dame All-American from 1969. You can learn more about Mike McCoy Ministries. Visit McCoy77.com. Kevin, your thoughts? I think uh, it's really neat to see his dedication to the Catholic schools, and hopefully we can use some of that era sayings, no circumstances we can't overcome, and uh, we have no breaking points. Maybe let's bring that back from the past for this upcoming game day for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Yeah, did you know they have a game today against Virginia Tech? Uh, we haven't mentioned <laughs> Virginia Tech too much, so uh, we're going to do that uh, when we come back on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, our game day sprint right after this. Join Bishop Kevin Rhodes, Bishop of Fort Wayne South Bend, every Wednesday at noon for his weekly show, Truth in Charity. On each episode, he joins host Kyle Hyman to discuss key issues facing Catholics in the diocese and beyond. Then he answers questions submitted by listeners. If you would like to submit a question, go to RedeemerRadio.com slash AskBishop. Truth in Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union.
want to thank Tyrac for being such great supporters of Redeemer Radio. The folks at Tyrac underwrite our internship program with high school students from Marion and St. Joe. The students are getting college-level internship experience, thanks in large part to the generosity of Tyrac. More tires, great prices. Visit Tyrac.com. All right, we talked a lot about last week. Virginia Tech is the opponent today. They're 5-2, and 2-2 two, two and two in the ACC. Losses to BC in Week 1. Duke in Week 4 have won three in a row. Coming off a bye, they beat Carolina 43-41 in six overtime times last week. Hedden Hooker now 3-0 as the starter at quarterback for Virginia Tech. 34-59, 58% passing, 572 yards, seven touchdowns, no interceptions. Got hurt in the last game against UNC two weeks ago, but expected to be fine today. Here's Aloe Gilman and Brian Kelly on UVA's offense led by Hendon Hooker. Dynamic group, um, physical. We definitely got to stop the run. The quarterbacks are really good, so just got to be prepared for everything and do what we can to execute the defense. The quarterback situation seems to be clarifying itself. Uh, the last three games, uh, and Hooker is, uh, is really you know, playing great football for him. He got banged up in the, uh, the North Carolina game, but appears to be back. Uh, we're preparing for him. Uh, Kevin, uh, I don't feel like the offensive side of the ball for Virginia Tech is the biggest problem, but Notre Dame's defense obviously didn't have his, its best performance last week, so they need a big performance here today. Yeah, and their wide receivers 14 and 11 for Virginia Tech are pretty dangerous. And again, the running game, nothing spectacular, but coming off of last week's um, loss just for their confidence, they got to be able to stop the run. Virginia Tech has scored 28 of their 29 trips in the red zone, so that's something to keep an eye on. Defense led by defensive coordinator Bud Foster has been at Virginia Tech since 1995, will retire at the end of the year. They will blitz you, to say the least. Here's what Robert Hainsey, Cole Komet, had to say about facing the Bud Foster-led Hokies defense. He's one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. We played him last year. He has his own tricks that he does that we need to be ready for. And really, it's just about doing our job, sticking to our technique, and being able to communicate what we see up front, seeing everything through one set of eyes so we know what to expect. they got a good front. You know, they're going to bring a lot of blitzes at us. They're going to try to confuse us with their blitzing. So we just got to communicate across the line. I think if we communicate and play our normal game and play physical, we're, we're going to be just fine. Pressure was definitely a problem. It's been a problem for Ian Book, Kevin, and that's probably going to be one of the big storylines here today if they're going to win. Well, and Bud Foster's great, so he's going to bring a lot of pressure. Their experience group, they returned eight defensive starters from last year. Um, and then he also, Bud Foster, impacts their special teams. So they're, they're going to have their hands full. But again, it'll come back to, in my mind, the offensive line, the quarterback, that core, and then the other people around him helping. Watch out for Rayshard Ashby, number 25, their middle linebacker. Ten tackles for loss, three tackles for this, uh, three sacks this season. All right, uh, Kevin, we're way behind, so let's give your uh, game prediction. What do you think happens today? I think somehow, someway, Notre Dame will win. It's Catholic Radio Station. I have no idea the score. I think it's unfair to even ask that after last week's performance. <laughs> I'll go Notre Dame 23, Virginia Tech 17. I think it'll be close, uh, but uh, I don't think Notre Dame's going to cover the spread, but I think the Irish win in the end. All right, that'll do it for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, Notre Dame FCU, where Eubank does matter. Thanks to our audio operator today, Joe Andert. Uh, for my broadcast partner, Kevin Downey, I'm Angel DiCarlo, Notre Dame and Virginia Tech, set for a 2.30 kickoff this afternoon at the stadium. You can watch locally on WNDU. We close our show the same way the Irish close their pregame with a prayer from one of the Irish team chaplains. This is Father Mark Thiesing, chaplain for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish football team. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, 
and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Our Lady of Victory, pray for us. Go Irish! This has been a presentation of Redeemer Radio Sports. Thanks for joining us for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Enjoy today's game. Hi, this is Tony Catanzarit for Catanzarit Financial Services. We are proud to bring you this message and invitation from the legendary Lou Holtz. For victory in life, we've got to keep focused on the goal, and the goal is heaven. The key to winning is choosing to do God's will and love others with all you've got. Sacrifice, discipline, and prayer are essential. We gain strength through God's word, and we receive grace from the sacraments. And when we fumble due to sin, and it's going to happen, confession puts us back on the field. So if you haven't been going to Mass Weekly, get back in the game. We're saving your seat on the starting bench this Sunday. What a great message from Lou. When it comes down to it, this is all about family values for us at Catanzary Financial Services, and I bet for you too. If you would like to develop a retirement plan that reflects your family values, visit CatanzaryFinancial.com to register for classes held through IU South Bend or email me directly at Tony at CatanzaryFinancial.com. Securities and advisory services offered through Harbor Investment, Inc., member SIPC.